Hello and welcome Behind the Marquee, a movie podcast taking you inside the walls of an independent cinema. My name is Nick Aldrink. I am the digital media specialist at the Michigan Theater, and I am joined by three guests who also work at the theater. Tell us who you are and what you do. I'm Brian Hunter. I am the programmer. Hi, I'm Caitlin Rizwicki. I run Cinetopia Film Festival, happening May 31st through June 10th. Good plug. See you there. <laughs> <laughs> and I am Sarah Erlewine, and I am the marketing manager. Thank you all for being here once again. Caitlin has been on every episode so far. Does she get a cookie? (laughs) We'll we'll give her a break at some point. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much. It's been fun. Nothing but fun times here. This is Brian's last time on the podcast. Going on to bigger and better things at the University of Michigan. Don't believe that. They banned me from this podcast. (laughs) No one wants to hear what this guy has to say. Uh, Today we are going to talk about uh, summer classics. It is May. We are getting ready for summer. The flowers are in bloom. Mm. It's uh, good times ahead. Uh, So summer classics we do every year at the Michigan Theater. I guess our philosophy behind it is it's summertime. It is a time for nostalgia. It is a time for good cheer. And we're just going to play some classic movies that everyone loves. Uh, This year... We are doing a James Bond. What's the title of the James Bond series? Double O Summer. Double O Summer. We are Classic. playing a slew of James Bond films. Uh, Dr. No, From Russia with Love, Goldfinger, On Her Majesty's Secret Service, Live and Let Die, Moonraker, The Living Daylights, GoldenEye, Casino Royale, and Skyfall. Skyfall. I, <laughs> <laughs> I am actually really excited for this series mm-hmm. because, surprise, surprise, I have never seen a James Bond movie. Really? Yeah, no, it's true. I'm not sure I knew this. Yeah, it's kind of amazing. I, uh, It's one of those things that I've been pressured into doing for years <laughs> and have always resisted, but I think maybe this year is the year that I'm going to give in. <laughs> I think you should start with later Pierce Bronson. You should get into... Uh, so yeah. which one? The one with Haley Berry, where she plays Jinx. I forget Die Another Day. That's Die Another one. Day. Yeah. That's a great one. Yeah, yeah. but you guys aren't showing that one. We're not showing that Missed one. opportunity. Right. Yep. <laughs> uh, Brian, how long has this series been in the back of your head? Oh, I mean, forever. It's still yeah. James Bond in the summer. I think it's like the best time to watch a James Bond movie. Mm-hmm. I, it's These movies are goofy. A lot of these movies mm-hmm. are goofy. And yeah. uh, I think that's the fun of them. I think that watching this movie on a cold winter day, maybe if you're just trying to have fun and cheer yourself up a little bit, these movies are meant to be seen in the summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, how long have you been programming the summer classics, Brian? Ten years. Ten years. Ten years. And it exists way before me. I don't even know when it started. Long yeah. before me. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are some of your your favorite your other favorite series titles that you've come up with? Oh man, Putting you on the spot. Here. Um, so I want to talk about the Will Ferrell series for a second. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what was it called, Sarah? It was Feral Child. Feral Child, which I said. As a joke, in the back <laughs> office one day, I wanted to call it Will Ferrell, American Icon. And then Feral Child just stuck. I loved so it. Many it's pretty great, good. Great, I great, loved it. And lots I, of wasted opportunities, too, on things. Yeah. No, that was a really great one. That was I have one of your classics. an Albert Brooks film series, Brooks on Tape, where you just show <laughs> Albert Brooks movies on VHS. <laughs> it would be a lot of fun. Cool. <laughs> yeah, I would have supported yeah. that one, too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we also got coming up uh, uh, a short 1968 retrospective, uh, Funny Girl, starring Barbara Streisand, uh, The Thomas Crown Affair, and The Odd Couple, uh, the classic Walter Matthau, Jack Lemmon. Yeah. You might remember our 1967 film series, but I would like to post maybe film change in 1968 with Barbara Streisand and Funny Girl. Just putting it out there for you. I think it did. I think Barbara Streisand is like 
changed American Hollywood cinema in mm-hmm. 1968 with that movie. Mm-hmm. I'm a big Thomas Crown Affair fan. I so. haven't. Another oh. great Pierce Bronson movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen Funny Girl or Thomas Crown Affair, so I'm pretty excited about this here. And I love Walter Matthau. Walter Matthau. So, <laughs> Recently heard I looked just like Walter Matthau. I did not say we did that. We not say looked. We, we said that Brian's spirit actor is Walter Matthau. <laughs> it's a certain essence and that permeates yes. the room. I think that a lot of us thought that that would be a compliment to you, but yeah. you took it as an insult. Well, what was the other spirit actor that was mentioned for me? Kenneth Branagh? <laughs> Yeah, which yes. doesn't make yeah. any amount of sense to no. me at all. So what do I do with this information, I think Nick? that you put the two together, yeah. and ultimately there is Brian Hunter. There in life. I just don't even Brian know what Hunter. that would look like. That's the problem. It's not the look. It's the It's the feel. It's the, the personality. Sophisticated curmudgeon. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that's great. I think that's great, yes. All right. so, so we also got coming along uh, the sing-along sound of music. We always do a sing-along every summer. Always a hit. Always yeah, a hit. Yeah, always a classic. And The Passion of Joan of Arc, the silent the silent classic with live organ accompaniment. What a classic. If there's ever been like a piece of classic silent film, it's mm-hmm. The Passion of Joan of Arc. Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. know. It's, I recently saw that at the Detroit Film Theater, and it really was so moving and mm-hmm. um something that I suggest everyone go see. So I'm so happy that the Michigan Theater is playing it again, in case yeah. you missed it earlier this I year. I think you talked about it on a past I podcast I episode. Did. Yeah. It was a, wow. It, yes, I did. It was great. Mm-hmm. So. so when we think of summer classics, what are, what are, what are your summer classic memories? I'm just uh, throwing this out to the group here. What do you think of when you think of summer movies? I remember seeing Who Framed Roger Rabbit at Disney World. And the only thing I remember about it is the poster for What's Love Got to Do With It <laughs> in the lobby of the theater. <laughs> That's a summer classic. Happened to be at Disney World, happened to be there during the release of Who Framed Roger Rabbit, happened to get to go to see a movie, and then just remembering the poster for What's Love Got to Do With It. Mm-hmm. So for for me, I think of the I think of going to the movies when I was a, when I was a teenager, and it was more of the. It's it's the nostalgia that comes with the freedom. I think of going to the movies when you're a teenager, right? And it's um, it's waking up in the day and then all just thinking, I think I want to go see a movie today, and not not sure of what you're going to going to go see, and then just picking something out is like I have no idea what this is about. Let's do it, and it's just and then you walk out of the theater and you have nothing else to do to the rest of the day. I think summer and freedom just. Very fond memories of going to the theater as as a kid, seeing the summer movie. Yeah, I'm totally with you on that. <laughs> but I guess I, for me, my summers were spent babysitting, so I'd have to uh-huh. take little kids to the movie oh. theater when I was able to drive. So the last thing I wanted to do was for like a hangout was mm-hmm. then go back to the movie theater. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I saw a lot of cartoons as a teenager. I for my summer classics were Milo and Otis. Yes. Um. Things that I watched at home when. It was like done with outside stuff, and my he was or it was raining or something like that. Mm-hmm. So it was Milo and Otis. I mean, obviously, ET like mm-hmm. is the first thing that comes to my brain for some. I watched that I think a million times. Watched it recently. Didn't have the same feeling towards <laughs> ET. Really? Say, yeah, definitely. Like, that little creepy alien. <laughs> That's kind of what I thought. Still love the movie. Then nothing. I still but that alien. It totally changed the perspective of ET for me. I mean, you have to watch ET with like stepfather mythology placed on top of it. So, oh, mm-hmm. well, that is something I did not do. Yeah, right, Sarah. Oh, that just blew my <laughs> mind. Yeah, totally no, right. See, Brian. my summer movie memories tend to all be 
Batman. Yeah. All okay. of yeah. the Batman movies, and particularly the one with Penguin. Was that the second one? Batman Returns. Batman <laughs> Returns. The main reason I remember this one is I went to see it, and then I went home, and my brother and his friend that I had a crush on were like, oh, we're going to go see this movie. And I said, oh, I'll go with you. And so I saw Batman Returns twice in uh-huh. one day so I could hang out with this guy. Yeah. <laughs> That was a lot of the Batman. Cl- <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think I, I could be having my seasons mixed up here, but but it it, it sticks in my head as like a summer movie memory. As I was going to the theater, I was just we were driving. Uh, I was in my in the car with my mom, and we were just driving past the theater, and she says, "Let's stop and get some popcorn." All right, cool. Yeah, it's, popcorn sounds great. We walk into the theater, and I think Harry Potter was playing. She's like, "You want to see Harry Potter?" Like, yeah, let's go see Harry Potter. <laughs> Nothing else to do today. It's like, go see Harry Potter. And just like, just wasting an afternoon w- without any intention of it. Yeah. It was so, it was so perfect. And it's such a, a beautiful summer memory. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I think there's also something of um, getting away from the heat oh, in, in the summer, walking into a cold theater. Theaters are always. 30 degrees cooler it oh, yeah. seems like than, than than outdoors and i think that evokes some like special right. relief it was like the end of summer activities almost yeah. like cuz i my parents or my mom was did not let me just like sit inside or go she's like get outside you're you're in you're inside all the time go outside that was mm-hmm. her thing. yeah so um but by the end of the summer all of my outdoor activities i'm like i already did that i'm kind of yeah. sick of it so then we right. were able to so that and it was so hot you know yeah. oh, like that august it's like that michigan heat and that stickiness mm-hmm. so yeah totally are there any movies in the summer classics that are sticking out to us that you definitely you 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 know for sure that you're going to go see moonraker is insanity Moonraker's Moon insane, insane movie, and that is that was that's uh, late nineteen seventies Bond, and that's when Bond really got campy. That's Roger Moore, mm. and it's James Bond in space. I feel like that's all we have to tell audiences to get people to come see this. See, James Bond in space. You, you send can't miss it. You send Leprechaun to space. You send Jason to space. And everybody <laughs> makes fun of it. You send James Bond to space, and you put it in a summer classic series. Yeah. <laughs> I nearly always go to our 4th of July summer classic special, mm-hmm. which is, uh, you know, it's been Dr. Strangelove mm-hmm. or Patton or something mm-hmm. that's American or military. <laughs> and, uh, that's always a fun way for me to spend 4th of July. <laughs> it really is. I like it. <laughs> I think Sorry. GoldenEye is sticking out to me on here for, for, for the James Bond series, just because I think uh, there's a lot, uh, many millennials know Goldeneye just from the N64 video game. Oh yeah, and I think I think that that was a big deal. The game was huge. That that game was it came with every N64. Everyone who had N64 had Goldeneye. When was that? Early mid nineties, two thousand fifteen. <laughs> this is a large range of time. You know, I, 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 I think seeing it come to the big screen is going to be. It's going to be a revelation to some people. I think a lot, a lot of people just know these these maps and these characters based on their eight bit versions of themselves. I think this is like a, this James Bond series also shows like a really good like chronolo- chronological order of like how it's changed yeah. over the years. Like Doctor No is straight up spy fiction. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just a spy Cold War movie, and mm-hmm. then it is campy. And to end with Skyfall, which is probably. The, my favorite James Bond movie of recent memory mm-hmm. is fantastic. Just to get that whole range of what James Bond actually, the world it actually inhabits. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it, it kind of comes full circle where Dr. No, if it came out and like you said, just a straight spy fiction, uh, a thriller, it was taken, it was still at a point where it, they came out and they were taking themselves pretty seriously. Yeah. But then you get to, uh, we get to the Roger Moore days and by then James Bond, I think people were a little bit tired of it. So like, let's send James Bond to space. Let's, let's, let's make Moonraker. Let's give him a jetpack. Yeah, let's, <laughs> send, let, let's, let's put James Bond against, uh, against voodoo magic and live and let die. And then they rebooted it with Daniel Craig, and they're sort of taking I'm a, they're taking themselves seriously again. Yeah, still a little bit of silliness, as James Bond always will have. Right. I almost want but, Sarah to watch like the James Bond, only the Daniel Craig James Bond movies. Really? Just just experience those. It's it would probably be like culture shock to you to see just those ones, and then to watch Moonraker. <laughs> yeah. You'd probably like have would not recognize. It's like like people who who like the original Casino Royale. It, it's a James Bond movie. It's not a James Bond movie at all. It's mm-hmm. this completely different perverted thing. Or what's that <laughs> other Sean Connery one where it's not a James Bond movie, but it's oh. like a contract breaker. Never say never again. Never say never yeah. again. It's like, it feels right. It doesn't mm-hmm. feel okay. Yeah. We should have Sarah do like a Shia LaBeouf type of thing where we just, <laughs> she watches all of her, all of the James All of Bond. them, and then we just have a camera yeah. on me <laughs> yeah. to see my reactions. The Michigan yeah. Theater live feed of yeah. Sarah watching the, yeah. all the James Bond movies. And then I'll report back. Yeah. <laughs> Skyfall was great. Yeah. <laughs> I so, didn't know what was going on with that space thing. Mm-hmm. That's... So, yep, uh, those are those are our summer classics and we're looking forward to them as we always are but of course oh and I, can i just say real quick yeah thank you to Carytown market and shops for sponsoring this every year thanks Carytown market absolutely, and shops absolutely absolutely thank you but as we've talked on the podcast many times already we're also getting very excited for the Cenotopia film festival coming this summer yeah. Caitlin, where are those dates May 31st, June 10th. Perfect. See you there. (laughs) (laughs) And those will be in around Ann Arbor and Detroit. So now we are going to talk about, we are going to give our top eight schedule, uh, schedules for the upcoming, uh, we've already talked about some of our favorite movies coming Mm -hmm. up, but now we're actually going to get into what specific screenings we are going to see. So I'll just start with mine. Yeah. I'll just start with mine. Great. So May 31st at 8 p.m. at the Michigan Theater is eighth grade. We are having Bo Burnham come for that one. Uh, very Ooh, excited. Yep, super we, we, exciting. We, I don't think we need to say much more about that because we already talked about it a little bit. But uh, opening night is going to be a big deal. Hopefully gonna, going to have a large crowd to see this this film. And I think seeing a comedy with a large group of people like that, there's no other movie experience like that. Mm-hmm. So I'm very excited. May 31st, 8 p.m., 8th grade. Uh, June 2nd at 1230 at the Michigan Theater on Notes Arc. Anote's Ark is this, uh, it's a, a climate change doc- documentary that isn't a climate change documentary. It, I mean, and, and I say that it's not, it's not the inconvenient, it's not like an, an inconvenient truth. It's not doom and gloom. It's not, uh, look what we've done to the planet. Uh, this is about a, a specific small island in the South Pacific that is going to disappear mm-hmm. because of climate change. And... Uh, Focusing on that little group of people, I think that is very important. People that are not guilty of what is happening to the planet. That's I think that's very specific about this movie is that these are people that are just being affected by climate change. Mm-hmm. They are not the ones that caused it. Striking images. Strike Very striking images. The, yeah, very beautiful scenery. The, the pacing was was slow, but I think how how like 
important that pacing was to show what that really, mm-hmm. like the, the, the decline. It was a slow burn, then all of a sudden. So yeah. just so, just want to put that out there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, June 2nd at 645 at the Michigan Theater, Woman Walks Ahead. I haven't seen it. I've heard yeah. very many good things about it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. Stars Jessica Chastain. Michael Gray Eyes. Michael Gray Eyes. Yeah. I'm very excited. Mm-hmm. White Rabbit, June 6th at 9.30 at the Michigan Theater. I chose this specific sc- uh, screening at 9.30 because it is a strange movie. And ending the day on White Rabbit, I think, is a is a, is a a good deal. I would love to end a, end, a, end a long day of movies with White Rabbit. It's my favorite movie from Sundance. From Sundance. Yeah. I saw it there as well. It was, uh, I, I, again, I saw it there at a late night. It was a great way to end the day. Quiet Heroes, June 8th at 1.30 at the Michigan Theater. Uh, a very beautiful documentary. Again, uh, a dark subject matter. Uh, it is about the AIDS epidemic in Utah, but it doesn't necessarily focus. Again, it does. it's not focused on the doom and gloom of, of, of everything. It is a very nice documentary. Uh, Blind Spotting on June 8th at 6.30 at the Charles Wright. Uh, we are going to have David Diggs. There for that one from Hamilton. And Raphael Casal. And Raphael Casal. Very yes. excited for right. that one. Uh, Relaxer on June 8th at 930 uh, at CCS. Again, a great film to end the day on. I will be there with doing the Q&A with Joel Petrikas at the end, at the end of that. So very excited to talk with him and speak. Ask him where this film came from in his head because I, I just want to I want to get how all the inspiration from him. I'm very curious of where this movie came from. And then Love Gilda on June 10th at 2 at the DIA. Again, uh, something I haven't seen, our Cinetopia closing day uh, about a subject that I'm very interested about. Again, we talked about Love Gilda on a previous podcast, so don't really have to get into it much, but it's going to be a great way to end the festival. And we're going to have some special guests here for that one as yes. well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll have the director, the producer, and Gilda Radner's brother. Mm-hmm. So. Well, you covered a lot of mine. I did. Yeah, you did a lot there, <laughs> So let, let's get into it so, again. Yeah, I mean, so for me, like if I was going to go in order, I'd start with eighth grade, opening night. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I would go to This Is Home, which is going to play on June 1st at the Michigan. And uh, that's a documentary about Syrian refugees in Baltimore. Um, I think it's a really mm-hmm. American story. It's specifically after the election uh, and how things changed for them in the process. And uh, I haven't seen it, but I really want to. That's one I've been really looking forward to. I tend to be a documentary fan mm-hmm. <laughs> myself. Uh, on 6-2, I would do Woman Walks Ahead, and I would also do Supermoto, which is one that Caitlin has been raving about since she saw it, and she, she uh, is probably better to speak to it than <laughs> I am. Uh, so, I don't know, are you, are you planning on touching on that one? Well, I saw that it was on your list, and... Um, oh, okay. Yeah, um, so I wasn't going to say anything about it, but yeah, it's, you know, the subject matter is tough, but it's done, in, um, it's about a terminally ill little girl, and... Um, uh, but it's done in a really heartfelt, sweet way. And um, the trailer made me cry. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it looks beautiful and just right. one of those things that is tragic, but also life affirming. It, yes, exactly. It, it, mm-hmm. it's, it's how the community comes together to, to support a family. And that's really, really special. So, yeah. <laughs> On 6 3, I would go to Hearts Beat Loud, which is Nick Offerman and Kiersey Clemens who was in Dope, which is a movie that I really loved that mm-hmm. came out a couple of years ago. She was great. And they're a father-daughter band, basically. Okay. Um, and that one looks really fun. Uh, 
sounds like it references a lot of my favorite music. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm looking forward to that one. And and then skipping forward to the next weekend, on 6-8, Blind Spotting is one that I'm Mm -hmm. really looking forward to. I'm a huge fan of David Diggs who won the Tony for Hamilton, and he and Rafael Casal co-wrote this and co-star in it. Uh, takes on racial dynamics. It's going to happen at Charles H. Wright in Detroit. So I think that that's really going to be a, a highlight of this festival. On the ninth, I would do Sufra, which is another documentary about uh, food trucks and It's going to take place at the Arab American National Museum, and it's going to be followed with an iftar dinner that our festival pass holders can get into for free. And so that, I think, is going to be a really great experience. And then on the 10th, I'd finish it up with Love Gilda. Perfect. All right. So, yes, agreed to all of these selections. So opening night, just a reminder, we do have an open uh, opening night party that that's available to our festival pass holders. Mm-hmm. So if you are interested in the partying part of the festival, <laughs> which is a big part of festivals, um, don't forget to get that festival pass. The true festival experience. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, and that'll happen 530 to 730, right before the movie. Um, Friday night, we were partnering with the State Street District, and we're doing an outdoor screening of Princess Bride, which is a personal favorite of mine. Oh, mm-hmm. me too. Um, which is a great, going back to summer classics, outdoor movies. It's, like, so much fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I can recite every line. So it's one of <laughs> – outdoor movies are really great when you can say, you know, say it along. You know, it's like mm-hmm. – Right, it's yeah. A, it's a – what is it? Not sing-along, but it's a quote-along. Yes, exactly. So that'll be a lot of fun. So I hope everyone can see that. Saturday, there's a film called Scaffolding. Actually, it's playing throughout the festival, but it's on a Saturday. It's a good afternoon film. It's a, I know I've talked about it in previous podcasts. Highly suggest it. Um, Madeline's Madeline will play on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. And that's, um, I know I've mentioned that one as well in a previous podcast. All of these ones I'm sure that I've mentioned. But um, that'll play like at a nine, nine o'clock slot on a Sunday. And um, the lead actor, it's her first role, and she's just stunning to watch. Um, we partner with uh, the U of M School uh, Screen Arts and Cultures, um, the Hatcher Library, to do their um, Makers and Mavericks Symposium. And um, Sunday night, we kick that off with... Um, Alan Rudolph's latest film called um, Raimi Tellen. And um, that will be a really fun, fun way to kick it off because it's pretty essentially a mid- Michigan premiere of, of his uh, film that just was released last month and the coasts. And now we get it because it's, you know, we're the third coast, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it'll be fun. Alan Rudolph and uh, a few cast members will be in attendance. And Phil Hallman is a great supporter of Cinetopia Film Festival. And he works at the Hatcher Library. And this is the symposium is something that he organizes. And we're always um, happy to and love working with him and this academic portion of our festival. So um, the symposium continues that Monday and Tuesday. So there's various panels that will happen either at Hatcher Library and then also at the Michigan Theater Screening Room. So please join us for um, those events as well. Detroit Voices happens on Wednesday night at the Detroit Film Theater. That's a great place to watch local filmmakers. And I know we talk about all of these filmmakers that are come from all over the world. Um, We have some excellent, amazing talent right here in our backyard. So um, let's support the local filmmakers. Come out to the Detroit Film Theater on Wednesday, June 6th. And um, we have some really fun ones, fun ones this year, which, mm-hmm. I, which I am looking forward to showing everybody on Wednesday, June 6th, Detroit Voices. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then uh, 
I know blind spotting is a big one. I'm so excited for that one. But we're also we work with the Wright Museum on the programming um, for their festival. And there's a, a, a older film called Personal Problems, and that's um, written and written by Ishmael Reed, who will be in attendance to the festival. Um, directed by Bill Gunn, and there is also a connection to this film because it's um, Bill Gunn. There's a Hal Ashby connection, and we're okay. we're showing the documentary Hal, which is about the filmmaker Hal Ashby. So um, we it's have a good a, pairing. We have a lot of um, connections that are kind of by happenstance, actually. Mm-hmm. So it's it's um it's really fun when things like that fall into place because most things don't fall into place. <laughs> I mean, that's like a life thing, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, festivals are just part of that. Um, and um, Sunday. Love Gilda, definitely. We also have some great things happening over at Cinema Detroit on that day as well. So mm-hmm. um, anything over at Cinema Detroit, check out. Uh, it's hard. It's hard being it is. organizing everything and seeing all of the great things that we're, we've put on. Um, it, it, it is hard for me to just say eight things, so I'm mm-hmm. giving you very like <laughs> well, and broad I, strokes of the festival. And I find I'm lucky if I get to see three things yeah. during the actual run of the festival because we're all over the place. Uh, before we get to Brian, I just wanted to, I want to remind people: tickets are on sale right now mm-hmm. to see all of these films. Tickets are on sale to the public, and you're going to see Brian's. I'm sure Brian's going to have some overlap with us, and just the fact that the, no, uh, well, just the fact that the three of us have overlapped uh, with the, the films that we want to see, we can you can be assured that many other people are going to have these films on their schedule as well. And you want to buy tickets before they sell out, especially to some of these big ones like David Diggs at Blind Spotting and the Charles Wright, probably going to sell out. Sure. Uh-huh. It's a smallish venue. Yeah. You know, it's a medium-sized venue. And that's another reason why uh, getting a pass is such a great idea, mm-hmm. especially if you're going to see something like eight movies. Then mm-hmm. you've, it's basically the cost is a wash and you get priority admission. Absolutely. So you can line up and make sure that you get into that theater before for everybody else. Absolutely. And one more thing, if I'm not working, which I will be working the entire festival, but if I can sneak away for a little bit, I really do want to see Mr. Gay Syria, which is a part of the Arab Film Festival selection. And that's, um, we're playing it, and then also it's um, at the museum on um, Saturday, or no, Friday, sorry, excuse me. It'll be Friday, mm-hmm. June 8th. So there's a few that I haven't been able to see for various reasons um, that I would like to sneak away and definitely go do and, and go see. All right. So that's one of them. What do you got, Brian? You know, you guys talked about eighth grade. It's great. It's funny. It's amazing. Uh, Bo Burnham's going to be there. Uh, I was going to talk about the Hell Ashby documentary. I think that thing's killer. And yeah. I think that's going to be a fun one. And um, if you saw that De Palma documentary a few years ago, it might feel familiar in that same sort of way. Right. For our audience members who are not familiar with Hell Ashby, Brian, can you tell them what they might know him for? Um, you probably know him for being there, first and foremost. But Shampoo, The Last Detail, um, well, and Harold and Maude is yeah, probably the essential yeah. a... night movie. Come on. <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Um, so I think that one's a great one. I hope people don't sleep on that one. Another great film, Nico '88, about Nico's final year. Um, it's just it's beautiful. Award Who's winning. Nico? Nico from the Velvet Underground, and Nico. Nico is not part of the Velvet Underground. Factory just Girl, on that record. Factory, Factory Girl. Girl. Yeah, Andy Warhol Muse, the mm-hmm. whole nine yards. Um, that's these a great movie. Days. These days. There's my impression. It's <laughs> no, it beautiful. It's a great <laughs> impression. Um, the Guilty is another film that I really, really like. Um, it's nine one one operator help, trying to help a kidnapped woman. It's just, it's, you know, if you liked Headhunters a few years ago at Cinetopia, it's probably going to be right up your alley. And that one took the Grand Jury Prize. Grand Jury World, Prize. World Cinema Dramatic at Sundance. It's an audience award winner. Um, a film that I'm w- way into, a film that I hope a lot of people see is Angels Wear White. I-, I think it's like a classic piece of Chinese cinema. It's one of the, I'm a big, like, you can't, 
you got to see the forest through the trees on cinema a little bit. Like we're going to see movies now in 2017 that are classic and let's start recognizing that. And I think Angels Wear White in terms of like Chinese culture and Chinese cinema is going to be a really important film in the future. So I think people should check that one out. Um, I love the Legacies Project. I think the Legacies Project is like a really fun thing, a really great thing to have in Ann Arbor. Um, If you don't know what it is, it's high school students and senior citizens coming together and having a conversation. That's the nuts and bolts of it. And um, I just think it's like a really healthy thing, a really like important thing that you should recognize. So I love the Legacies Project. Um, Butterflies, a film I know Caitlin loved at Sundance. It's a hoot. Uh, it's a hoot. It's a hoot. <laughs> a heartfelt hoot. Um, I mean, there's just so many things. Savage Youth, which is um, a filmmaker who came with uh, Hunky Dory a few years ago, and it's his follow-up film. Um, the Alan Rudolph Symposium, Madeline's Madeline. All these things are like really great films. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about Bisbee 17, which I think it might be the best documentary in the festival. Um, mm, it's Maybe. <laughs> it's just, it's big in scope. I think it's just one of those important conversation pieces. And I think it's just, I hate when people are like, oh, it looks so beautiful. It actually looks so beautiful. It mm-hmm. actually looks fantastic. Well, you're a fan of the filmmaker's work. His, uh, it's Christine Plays Christine. Is yeah, that the, yeah. Yeah, so we had that documentary a few years ago at the theater, not at the festival. So um, Robert Green, he's um, this is the type of work that he does, very big, broad strokes of a specific topic, I guess, is one way to put it. And this, and this is, is a very specific topic. Yeah, yeah it's, I think it's just an it's a very interesting piece. I mean, if you like history, it's like if it's just a very – it's a sliver of American history you might not know about. And I think just seeing it play out and sort of the lingering effects of history that you sort of recognize globally, but you don't sort of recognize the impact on something in like a small region and how it lingers. Mm-hmm. And just so everybody knows, um, as we program the festival, we have a lot of discussions and a, and a lot of disagreements on certain films. And um, there's a respect for all of the movies that come through and movies that we watch and we, we dissect and think what, what's good for our our patron and our audience base, that's really what we, we dig into. And we may not all agree on some of the movies. And um, I just have to bring that up because it's not all, oh, we all decide and we, we go forward with it. Some of us have a really uh, strong, passionate gut reaction to a film mm-hmm. that others may not feel. And that's just how it goes. Sure. Um, and Brian felt very strongly about Bisbee 17. And the subject matter is is important in conversation in his current times right now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's one that I... I want to see it, but as far as our small film festival, sometimes we have to make uh, difficult decisions on certain things. And we've seen over, we've seen hundreds and hundreds of movies. So as far as getting behind the marquee and behind the festival, I wanted to share that perspective a little bit. No, it's true. It it is interesting. Or there's a a movie in our lineup this year called uh, 306 Hollywood that when I saw it, I thought was a great fit, but had sort of been kind of left behind in Mm -hmm. the conversation. Mm -hmm. And uh, I made a big pitch for it because I think that it's a really, really, it's it's a documentary about things Mm -hmm. and about people and grieving and mourning and and how things live on after people are gone. And I just think it's something that's so potent and resonates so strongly with people that I made a huge pitch for it. And I'm really happy that it ended up on our schedule. And I always like, I like when we, like this movies like Bisbee and 306 Hollywood, even if we don't necessarily agree on it, that we all Mm -hmm. like it, I like it because that's a good sign that this film is going to generate conversation. Mm -hmm. Agreed, right. And uh, there's another film that we just didn't have room for in the festival called No Man's Land. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we had just had a conversation. We had an Mm -hmm. office-wide conversation in the office about 
whether or not we should play it. And we didn't play it just because we didn't have room for it. It, it is a, I think it, I really enjoyed the documentary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, but, I, oh, I did too. Mm-hmm. I thought it was great. And that was one that I tried to make an argument for that ultimately I didn't win. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so, so, so take, we're discussing that some of us didn't like 306 Hollywood. We're talking about some of us didn't like Bisbee. But take that as a, a special note that mm-hmm. you're going to walk into this film and probably walk out and be able to talk to people about it because mm-hmm. I'm I'm sure that it's going to be a consensus. Uh, there's not going to be a consensus in the in the audience, right? Like, I think like, one of the best compliments you can get from somebody if somebody knows that you don't like something or or knows that you love it and has the opposite reaction to have them actually want to talk to you about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think I mean they took they took something out of it different that you didn't get, and I think it's important for that person to want to talk to you. But I also think it's important as a programmer to hear that person and mm-hmm. hear what how, what they got out of it because maybe there's some revelation that you're missing. So I think it's the, one of the best parts about a small film festival like ours is that you can leave the theater and maybe you're going to go across the street the nights downtown and sit at the bar and just strike up a conversation with someone next to you who's probably been seeing films as well. I think mm-hmm. like last year... I was sitting at I was sitting at the at the bar and I had a Cinetopia program and I was pointing out suggestions to uh, to a friend of mine and the person right next to me had a program as well and they're just like oh you saw that one what'd you think of that and just how easy it is to strike up a conversation with with people around you at a small film festival oh absolutely um, I just came back from Cleveland's film festival and while in line for one movie the person next to me recommended another movie mm-hmm. that I hadn't even had on my radar. I went to see that movie. I was blown away. Mm-hmm. And it was probably one of my favorite things that I saw. Like those conversations are really an important part of the festival experience. Yeah. So take time to talk to people during the festival. Really have the confidence to strike up a conversation and talk about what you've seen. It's, I think what you, there's no better takeaway from the festival than talking to people who are also there who you, you've never met. Yeah, part of a festival is getting outside of your comfort zone. Yeah, so absolutely. get outside of your comfort zone. And it, it, maybe that means talking to people is outside of your comfort mm-hmm. zone. Mm-hmm. So, And knowing that you won't be able to see all of the movies. Yeah, right. it's possible. <laughs> it's, a, it's a very condensed version of what the Michigan Theater and the State Theater does all of the time. Um, and some of these movies may come back yes. to the Michigan and yes. State mm-hmm. Theater in the future. Yeah, yeah. So I think somebody told me that it's possible to see 25. You can see 25 total movies, which means there's 20 movies you're not seeing. Yeah. And that, yeah, a lot of 25 is still a lot of movies. Yeah. Lot, yeah. <laughs> so before we wrap things up, we're going to hit our movie magic moments of the week. Uh, this is... Uh, the moments in film and television that we've seen recently that reminded us why we love movies. Uh, it's something we do every, every episode here, one of my favorite parts. Uh, Brian, you want to start? Yeah, uh, I want to talk about two things. First off, Godless on Netflix. Godless is the best thing I've seen all year. God, okay. Jeff, Jeff Daniels and Godless is like a phenomenon. It's so good. It's such a great Western. I think that there's no part of that miniseries that's wasted. I just loved it. The other thing I want to talk about is... Uh, uh, Avengers. Ah. So I saw Avengers over the weekend and I was instantly lost. I had no clue what was going on <laughs> in that movie. No clue. It immediately, I don't want to spoil anything, but it just starts. <laughs> it doesn't sound like it just starts. <laughs> like, I didn't and then I'm like, it. what's going on here? Why are we doing this? And then it's like, this isn't, we'll come back to this in like 45 <laughs> minutes. And then you're like, here, let's pick up in the middle of this conversation with Captain America. And you're like, we're, why? Why is he wearing all black? And Have you seen never, any of the previous ones? I've, I feel like I had seen them all, but I really was lost. I feel <laughs> I must have missed something at some point in these movies. I mean, it is a story that has ultimately been told over like ten years at yeah. this point. So, mm-hmm. 
So yeah, I would uh, pass on seeing the Avengers. <laughs> uh, not a fan of it. I would disagree. Um, I loved it. You loved it. I you loved remember it. Two weeks ago, that was my movie magic. Moment. Yeah, I know. That's why I had to bring it up. <laughs> yeah. I instantly, my my wife turned to me at one point and she goes, um, like we're five minutes into the movie, she was like. I have no idea. I have no clue. <laughs> and she has not seen any of the movies. So it okay. was that must totally have been really lost. Difficult. But yeah. then check out Godless on Netflix. Jeff Daniels is fantastic so in it. It's like you did a movie magic moment and an anti movie magic moment. You know what? I just but don't want to see people having a conversation. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and I just don't like to see people have fun. So that's just okay. my, my thing. Caitlin, you want to go next? Oh, sure. Well, um, as you know, uh, we're running a film festival that's happening May 31st through June 10th. What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I've been, um, unfortunately, not as been. I've not been able to watch as many things as I'd like. I've yeah. been mostly on my computer typing away and working, working. Um, but last night I was working... Um, on a few things, and my husband Aaron was watching. He's really into these like murder documentaries on Netflix, <laughs> which is a little unnerving, but you know, no, whatever. This is something he and I have yeah. in common. Okay, so he was watching Evil Genius. Have you? No, I haven't seen okay. this one. Okay, well, the narrator is hilarious, and I don't think he means to be hilarious, but he's <laughs> hilarious. So every once in a while, I would be, you know, I'm working, then I would hear. And his favorite prostitute enters the room. <laughs> and like, I immediately started laughing, and I loved it. And and then the, the character, or not the character, but she's kind of a character. Well, the character, the yes. subject, it, she says things that would just, I, I stopped what I was doing and just watched a little bit because it was so funny and unusual for one of these murder docu documentaries for me to laugh at. Um, usually I'm just scared out of scared out of my mind because I get very scared. Um, but there's so there was like a lot of funny parts to it that I don't think were necessarily meant to be funny, but um, so that thing comes up with things like that take when you takes you out of whatever you're doing, being very focused at work or whatever it is and I can just hear a little snippet of something. I appreciated it <laughs> um, for, for, you know, to get out of uh, my work zone for a moment and just laugh at some really unfortunate things. And for, I'm so sorry. <laughs> murder. You're I laughing know, at I murder. Know. I'm so sorry. So there you go. All right. Sarah. Uh, yeah, so mine is actually sort of similar um, because my husband has Mike, Aaron, watch out. <laughs> no, I need no, watch there's out. been no murder involved in mine, but my husband has been watching Cobra Kai oh. on YouTube Red. Yeah. And uh, for those of you who are not familiar, this is the uh, resurgence of the Karate Kid <laughs> series. You may have to fill people in on what YouTube Red is. Yeah. Oh, YouTube, I don't even know. This is all of a sudden Mike's like, I've got to get this free trial for YouTube Red so I can watch Cobra Kai. I guess it's the premium YouTube service and they're starting to make their own television. Mm -hmm. So here we go. Look out, world. <laughs> Why not start with Karate Kid? Karate Kid, the television series, told from the point of view of the bad guy oh. from... Karate Kid, where now he's down on his luck, and he's trying to restart his dojo, and I had no interest in watching the show whatsoever, and I was sitting on the couch doing something else, and it did, it just drew me in, and I, I'm not even sure what it was, but it's because I wasn't that big of a Karate Kid fan. You know, this wasn't mm -hmm. like something that I was were, like, really looking, looking for right. in my life to bring it back. I mean, obviously, you know, I grew up in the 80s. I have a certain fondness. But um, I tell you, there's one moment, there's one scene where he's trying to inspire. And this is Johnny, who was the head guy on Cobra Kai, the bad guy. Yeah. Uh, 
who's now trying to run this dojo and trying to train these kids. And he's just insulting them left and right. (laughs) And they're all walking out. And it's like this ridiculous motivational speech that's so bad. And I just, and it kind of won me over. It's kind of like. (laughs) I was like, oh. Bad News Bears meets Karate Kid. That was basically it. And which I do, I do love Bad News Bears. So the generational gap, right? Yeah. That's what we're looking at. The millennials can't handle a little Cobra Kai. (laughs) Yeah, a little motivation. (laughs) And then in the end, you have to wonder that without spoiling it. Is it was it worth it? Oh yeah. yeah. So, and now there's going to be a season two. It'll be my so apparently it wasn't because they made a season. Two. <laughs> <laughs> so mine, uh, I have a subscription to Filmstruck. I watch Rebel Without a Cause for the first time. What? I've never seen a James mm. Dean movie. Huh? Never oh, seen. There's only James like four. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it was it was it was a a good first experience for me. Uh, it was a lot. It was a bit more dramatic and thrilling than I was expecting. There was more gunplay than I was Ooh. expecting. Again, I don't know what I was expecting. Right. I've just never seen this movie. It, it comes with a re- with a reputation, and I guess expectations that I'll that I'll never that will never be able to live up to for me. And it reminded me that youth hasn't changed and never will change <laughs> because the teenagers in this movie statement. are the worst. <laughs> they are the worst. They're always I, the I, worst. I, you, you, you can make this film today mm-hmm. and you won't change the script at all. Maybe we'll have to replace the knife fights. Very but. dated, those <laughs> knife yeah. fights. Tide pods. But... <laughs> <laughs> I hear that's a thing. <laughs> I don't know much. It's a thing they murder with. <laughs> I know nothing about it's it. It's just going to be a bunch of kids tindering. Yeah. That's what they're going to replace it with. Cyberbullying. They're going to yeah. be there with their phones. But the, the the bullying was there. The the just the making jokes in class of all yeah. like the students trying to top each other, making jokes in class. That was there. And the drama. The drama is there be just because in high school. Everything is just unnecessarily inflated, right? Oh, so and, and then just like the little things just just incite these awful incidents. It's like James Dean says, like he called me a chicken. So now, so <laughs> I now can't we let that stand. so we have to run our cars off off a cliff because this cannot happen. And <laughs> and also just like walking into a James Dean movie. I don't know. There's only a few stars today that I think we can really call movie stars and none of them are 23 and 24 years old. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like the, the last remaining movie stars mm-hmm. like Tom Cruise, Will Smith. I don't know who else. None of them are 23 or 24 years old. Like James Dean was when he made this movie very early in the movie. He's like walking across the high school campus and he's not even centered in the camera. He's just wearing <laughs> this black suit jacket, but he pops out on the screen like a Jack in the box. It's like, he's there and he just controls the camera and it was just very relieving and refreshing to see, mm. I think, from a movie that's like it's over 60 years old now. It was very exciting for me to watch this movie for the first time. You're staring at me like you have something to say, Brian. No, it's your your uh, observation on teenagers is like pretty I I am not a James Dean fan. Uh-huh. So like it's interesting to like hear this like epiphany. I I think it's just overstated. I think that that's my problem with Rebel of the Cause. I think it's like for the modern lens it's like super overstated now. Mm-hmm. And I mean, James Dean's great and giant, right? But like, I don't know. I just feel like like that's a movie that just hasn't aged well, and it just will continue to not age well. It's just huh. really interesting that like the teenage stuff is totally true about it that I hadn't yeah. considered that. That like it is the same teenage trope that you've seen in cinema 
probably since Rebel Without a Cause came out. It reminded me of Footloose, is what mm. it reminded me. Oh, right, yeah. right, oh, right. No, it's the same basic strokes. You <laughs> yeah. Know? And yeah, so send us your thoughts about Rebel Without a Cause. Pick it up from the Ann Arbor Library. Whose side are you on, Brian's or mine? Uh, send us your, your thoughts on social it's media. It's fine. It's a classic for a reason. I just am yeah. not, you know. So find Brian us. Brian is just being cantankerous. <laughs> As he always is. People are al- the Walter Matthau coming out of him. <laughs> yeah. People are allowed to not like James Dean. That's all I'm getting at. <laughs> so find us on social media, Michigan Theater. That's theater spelled with an E-R at the end. Uh, find Visit Cinetopia, cinetopiafestival.org. Find us on Facebook and Twitter there, Cinetopia MI. Uh, let us know what you're excited about. Let us know your movie magic moments. Uh, leave us a review on iTunes. Give us a rating because that's do, how. Do we have any reviews? We have one review. What did they say? Uh, they said it, it was from a friend of mine. I mean, uh, come on. <laughs> two stars. Yeah. <laughs> you gave, gave me five stars. Old Greg gave me five stars. Oh, thanks, thanks Greg. Greg. Thanks, Greg. <laughs> but we want to hear from more than just the people that we know. My mom will uh, now. Uh, yeah. Because she's <laughs> thanks, very supportive. But that, I, I'll try to convince Mike to listen. That, that really is how we're going to get more listeners is people leave start leaving us ratings and reviews. So please leave us a rating or review. I hope I hope that you give us a five star review. <laughs> uh, Don't downvote us just because Brian doesn't like James yeah. Dean. <laughs> it's true. Uh, thank you to the three end. stars. This guy Leave. hates James Dean. <laughs> He's leaving. So. I'm leaving. Right, yeah. right. If you guys want to come, we're getting rid of him. Come up to Weiser Hall and see me. You're more than welcome to. I'll be hanging on the tenth floor. Cool. Thank you to the Ann Arbor Dis- District Library for letting us take up their studio. Again, we're going to be back in two weeks with another episode. I think in two weeks, the episode is going to come out right in the middle of Cinetopia. What so terrible may- planning. So maybe we won't we won't have time to uh, get us all in the studio again, but I'll figure something out. Can we maybe, do remote? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. We'll, uh, we'll do, do some remotes uh, live at Cinetopia. Yeah. So uh, yeah, be, uh, check out your feed in a couple of weeks. Look, I'm just stressed. Yeah, you're just... <laughs> she doesn't need one more thing. <laughs> all right, uh, see you in a couple of weeks. Thank you everyone for listening. Uh, thanks you all for for coming to, into the studio studio again, and goodbye. Thanks, Bye. Nick. <laughs> Bye, Nick.